0: Hey everybody, welcome back to Simply Amazing. Uh, Tim Ryder from Esmerized here. We're giving this another try with my buddy Joe Pantorno from AM New York. Joe, what's happening? Welcome to the show again. (laughs) Hi
1: Tim, thanks so much for having me. Yeah, second time's a charm. Let's do this.
0: Let's do it. Yeah, faulty microphone was uh, was the issue, was the culprit the first time. But uh, I'm recording on my headphones. Andrew Claudio, our producer, I thank you for your patience, dealing with... uh, A less than clear sound on my end, but uh, we will push through. Um, After all, uh, nothing's wrong in Met City right now because we got Steve Cohen at the helm. The guy's active on Twitter. Uh, Joe, I mean, you were at the forefront of uh, of feeding us all information during the process. Um, What's your reaction to everything all kind of culminating over the last week or so? Yeah, I
1: mean it was an it was an absolute pleasure to kind of bring you guys news over the last few months, and it was certainly a whirlwind. And um, it's it's nice to kind of get some closure in a way. This was one of the oddest, most roller coaster like stories I've ever covered that had certainly for uh, quite a while. And uh, I can say that confidently because I don't really foray into politics much, so that's easy enough. Where uh, this was one of the more wild stories that I ever had to. of follow along with but uh yeah you know this is a day that Mets fans really deserve um they've been tortured for so long and um you know I just you know 10-12 years ago I remember going to Shea Stadium in City Field you know with my dad and uh you know you saw the shirts back then sell the team and you heard the chants and everything like that um you know so many fans have been unhappy with uh previous ownership and the direction that they had the team going in and Kind of that feigning of contention, and uh, to finally get somebody who, you know, provides that light at the end of the tunnel, and somebody that can kind of propel this team from not being fake contenders, but to actually being real contenders. Um, that's going to mean a lot to this fan base. And again, I mean, um, you know, we've been in, we've come into contact with so many fans over the last few weeks, months, and years, and. Uh, You know, they they don't hold back their punches. And when they're upset, you know, they they let you know. And uh, just to kind of see this happening is great for the fans. And obviously, it's great for the organization, too. They are on the precipice of uh, becoming the the big fish in the pond that is Major League Baseball. And, uh, you know, the culture is already changing in Queens, and uh, things are only looking up right now.
0: Well, I think that's the biggest part, is the culture change. I mean, just over the weekend, I know I just touched on it briefly, um, Steve Cohen's on Twitter, and first everyone had to actually, is this really Steve Cohen? And once it was confirmed and he's out there, he's like, I want to hear your ideas. What, what would make your experience better? And like some of, the, some of the comments that you saw, I mean, there was a guy who actually posted a picture of the letter he got from the Met that he was banned from Citi Field, from uh, the Brooklyn Ballpark, from Port St. Lucie. For, uh, for saying this, you know, disparaging stuff about Jeff Wilpon online. And, and Steve Cohen replied, he's like, that is amazing. And, you know, uh, it, clearly he's going to take care of it. But, like, you know, e- even down to the petty stuff, he's going back and he's trying to just reverse it all. And it's, um, it's refreshing. It's, it, it's, uh, it's a very bright time. And, and it's funny because things haven't even really started yet. So uh, hopefully this isn't the crest of the excitement. But I can only imagine it's going to be. You know, once things start rolling, and once uh, free agency kicks off, you forget about it. Once the season starts, you know, one has to imagine the Mets are going to put themselves in a a very, very good position to contend next year, especially with the free agent market the way that it is. Um, we I know we also we spoke a little bit briefly last week. Uh, of course, you folks didn't hear that, but uh, we spoke about the, I guess, the push towards a broader analytics department. Um, Naturally, uh, I think that's going to uh, be beneficial for the Mets. They're going to catch up to the rest of baseball. But with the the much wider-than-expected free agent pool that's out there, um, you know, if the Mets have the right eyes on these guys, they can really do some damage in free agency, don't you think?
1: Yeah, this is going to be huge, and, and that's what makes this offseason that much more pivotal for a Mets regime under Steve Cohen because they're going to be performing in a market where, like we've already seen – there are teams that are basically being forced to shed salary. And we've seen some pretty big names already hit the market in the form of, say, Brad Hand, Charlie Morton. These are guys with some pretty sizable options that other major league teams and some of these more, more small market teams didn't want to hold on to. And this is going to go right into the Mets wheelhouse because just those two names alone that I mentioned, those are two potential names that could fit huge holes uh, along the roster right now. Uh, the Mets need starting pitching help and depth and the bullpen kind of needs a revamp. So um, as the offseason kind of progresses, you know, more and more names are going to be kind of getting themselves out there on the market. And again, this is where the analytics department comes in. This is where a broader analytic department comes in. They can, you know, kind of find those diamonds in the rough, like the Mets have, you know, they We've stumbled upon them over the years. You know, they kind of like stumbled into J.D. Davis, something like that. It's not going to be stumbling. These are going to be moves made with purpose. And um, with the free agent market as dense as it's expected to be, uh, this is where, you know, the right moves and and hitting those moves uh, becomes vital. And uh, it's a golden opportunity for, Steve Cohen and whoever he has in the front office to make that initial really, really good first impression uh, to the fan base.
0: Oh, for sure. And I think the expanded front office, um, the, the, maybe you want to call it a three pronged, um, head of the head of baseball operations between Sandy Alderson. And we've heard reports that, uh, they'll be hiring a president of baseball operations, a uh, general manager, uh, presumably, of course, if if Van Wagenen doesn't come back, but um, between Sandy and Steve Cohen, who, you know, Steve Cohen's gone out there and he's he's, you know, taking risks obviously in business and you know he's been highly rewarded for those risks. But you know, one has to assume he does his homework on on certain aspects of investment and um, you know, just a calculated but deliberate effort on on the Mets part could 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 really um. You know, that could push them over the top. I mean, your, your George Springers are out there. Uh, your high-end pitching is out there if they want to go for a guy like Trevor Bauer. Um, but, you know, they could certainly find value, um, even all-star value, in a very uh, just a, a very potent second tier. Um, again, and, and without money as a restriction. I know me and Jacob Resnick talked about this earlier, uh, earlier in the week on the show. Um, without money being a restriction, you know, if the Mets like a guy, they can just go and sign a guy. But I, I, I really do foresee more of a, uh, I guess you could say, uh, a, a mindful approach to, Hey, let's do this the right way. It's just, it, it, it only seems that way you have, now you have smart people at the top and it's going to be, um, it's going to be fun. Uh, I know, you know, we touched on it briefly as things were swirling last time we spoke, we spoke, uh, do you think Trevor Bauer does end up in Queens? Uh, right right now, I mean, if I was a betting man, which I, I'm
1: not, um, I would say no just because, you know, th- this reported contract that he could possibly be looking for is very Steven Strasburg-esque. You know, it's just like uh, John Harper, the Daily News reported that you know, it was going to be a seven-year, $245 million deal that he's looking for. And, you know, he really hasn't shown that kind of consistency throughout his career that would necessarily warrant such a big deal. Um, Granted, you know, the 2020 season that he had in Cincinnati, it's a fantastic season. He is by far and away the front runner to win the NL Cy Young Award. And frankly, he's deserving of it. That being said, it's one thing to do it in Cincinnati. It's one thing to do it in Cleveland it's a completely different animal to do it in New York and to do it in such a huge market. And again, I can't, I can't speak for Trevor Bauer because I've never met him and I, I don't speak to him, but he comes with a reputation. He comes with a reputation of being outspoken. And I don't know if that would scare potential suitors away from giving him such a big deal. But in that same breath, I did talk to a Met source a few weeks ago and I just brought it up. I said, you know, Trevor Bauer, for a seven-year, $245 million deal, what do you think? And all he said was, for a headache, no thanks. And, you know, that, that might not necessarily reflect Steve Cohen's viewpoint on it, but it kind of gives us a little bit of insight on the situation. And it makes sense, but at the same time, for Mets fans who are pleading to go out and get the best possible talent available, uh, Trevor Bauer is that. So it's a tough call, uh, but at least from the conversations that I've had, and of course they're preliminary, and they are not end-all, be-all, I would say that Trevor Bauer won't be a
0: Met this offseason, but I, I can be wrong, and I, I have been wrong before. <laughs> I wouldn't put that much pressure on you, Joe. Yeah. They, uh, you know, they, like you said, they can go in a number of directions. Um, Stroman, whether he accepts or declines the qualifying offer, is certainly going to push them in a, in, in a certain direction. Um, you know, me and Jacob talked about it briefly last week, uh, earlier in the week. I think it's a very, you know, it's a very, I wouldn't say a very good chance, but there's certainly a possibility that Stroman accepts the, uh, the qualifying offer. It's good money. He could really, um, you know, catapult himself into his next free agent deal. I think that would be a boon for the Mets. Um, you know, my issue with Bauer. I mean, I have, I have issues with Bauer and, so I'm to what you were saying as far as uh, consistency. Um, he hasn't been a great, great pitcher uh, for very long. He had one good season in 2018 and in 11 good starts last year. And uh, that certainly doesn't really warrant, you know, Strasburg money. But I think back uh, to Jack McDowell, who this is going back to early mid-90s. Um, this is a guy who was excellent for the Chicago White Sox. Came to the Yankees, and just, just, just to kind of echo what you were saying about playing in New York, um, came to the Yankees on a big free agent deal, one of those, the Steinbrenner Express, we want that guy, bring him here. And I want to say by, like, the middle of his first season, he was literally getting pulled from the game and flipping off Yankee Stadium on his way to the dugout. So, you know, some guys aren't built for New York. And, you know, we saw Trevor Bauer chucking fastballs into, uh, into center field in Cleveland. You know, what happens when the Mets fans start booing him? Um, yeah, I could only imagine. And, but like your source said, for a headache like that, no thanks. Uh, even for Wheeler money, I think I'd be um, hesitant. And Wheeler's a guy who's been, you know, last three seasons, you think he's still top 10 uh, in Major League Baseball in F-War. So and Brody infamously said, oh, yeah, this guy got two good half seasons and he got paid for it. Well, you know, I don't think anyone's going to pay Trevor Bauer double that for uh, a good season and a third. So we shall see. Um, Joe, you had a pretty cool story last week, just touching on the Mets, um, I guess, kind of looking to really dip into the international free agent market. Uh, This is a group that's had a team, I should say, that's had success there before. Um, Do you think dipping an even, I guess, an even bigger footprint into that market is going to pay off?
1: Yeah, I think so. And it further cements this notion that Steve Cohen is coming in and he's going to try and build this well-rounded, well-oiled machine where there are so many different reliable avenues to find talent where, you know, you might not have a dense free agent market or a dense trade market, but you can go from within and with like a proper analytics department and a proper international scouting department suddenly you can kind of fill those gap years and you can find i won't say you know top tier talent all the time because you're not going to hit on every single international prospect that you sign we've obviously seen this from the franchise over the past 10 20 years it's more miss than hit but it at least kind of keeps things together it stabilizes the ship and and making sure that you can find these guys out of nowhere almost, um, it just kind of keeps that talent flow moving. And, you know, it creates further competition within the organization itself. And it leaves the front office and the powers that be with a lot of really good problems on their hands. And, you know, nobody has ever accused the Mets recently of being a deep franchise. Uh, So with this... Uh, initial desire to kind of bolster that international scouting department, find those roots and lay them in the right places. Uh, that's the necessary steps needed to do that. So, uh, again, that's, that's a really, really another promising development from the front office.
0: Oh, definitely. And casting a wider net in that sense, um, you know, it could really bring in some big fish. I mean, just e- even in the past, going back historically, um, when the Mets have hit in the international classes, they've hit pretty high. I mean, Jose Reyes was a 16-year-old signing out of Dominican. Uh, Wilmer Flores, who, who, you know, had a very solid running Queens. Um, he was a 16-year-old out of Venezuela. You know, and of course there's guys who, who don't really ever bubble up. But even now, I mean, going to Ahmed Rosario – Andre Semenes, Ronnie Mauricio, who was, I believe, the number two position player in his signing class um, when he signed 2017, 2018. Um, and, you know, like you said, it's a good problem to have when you have, you know, talented players all making their way through the system. And at, the, at one point, the Mets were approaching depth in their farm system, and Brody Van Wagenen went and traded them all the way, but, um, or at least, at least the, the, really, uh, the really prominent parts. But, you know, you have you have guys like, let's take Mauricio, for example. Um, you know, he's the furthest down the line at this point. He might have the highest ceiling. And I'm talking out of Rosario, Jimenez, and Mauricio, because these guys are all kind of headed for the same position, and the Mets are going to have to make very big decisions probably this, this winter because there's other options out there, and we'll get to that in a second. But um, – Just to get back to the international class, I mean, adding more talent through those avenues when, you know, you can look around the league, look at guys like, um, you know, I think Tatis, look at, I want to say Acuna. Of course, Acuna. Um, But, you know, you have these guys who are are superstars coming in, Um, Luis Robert, uh, getting locked up to these great deals early on and, and, you know, really just bubbling and developing into talent. And, uh, you know, the Mets should be taking advantage of that market as well. Uh, Speaking of the the shortstop trio, because there's a pretty big shortstop name out there. um, What are your thoughts on Francisco Lindor, Joe? You think that's a a realistic option for the Mets? Uh, I
1: I certainly think it is. And I don't want to get anybody's hopes up, obviously, because it's early in the offseason and a lot can change. But... It's pretty clear that the Cleveland Indians are looking to deal Lindor. It makes sense, and they kind of have to pull the trigger quick if they want to really salvage something from a deal involving him, because um, you know they really missed out on their opportunity to maximize their return uh, for Francisco Lindor. He's coming off a down twenty twenty season. He is a superstar that's going to be demanding a big contract with only one year left of term. So that's going to kind of hamper what Cleveland can get back. And for a team that, you know, in terms of the farm system isn't as deep, but does have a litany of position players already up with the big club that they could offer to Cleveland. uh, The Mets kind of fall into that perfect spot to send an enticing offer to the Indians. And, Really, if the opportunity arises, uh, this is a guy that you really shouldn't pass up. This is a recognizable face that Major League Baseball constantly touts out and advertises to try and grow the game. He is one of the best players in the league at his position. Um, He's a five-tool player, and you, you stick him in the Mets lineup, and you know the shortstop position is set for the next 10 years, at least. So... Um, it's kind of too good of a deal to pass up. If the opportunity arises again, go for it.
0: Joe, I'm going to ask you to put your general manager hat on for a second. Um, Cleveland needs a first baseman. Are you including Dom Smith in a deal for Francisco Lindor? Yeah, see, this is,
1: you know, this is tough because... (laughs) Well, obviously, what Dominic Smith has brought over the past year, plus, he's shown that he is taking the necessary steps forward he He's shown that he is the epitome of a team player, He's great for the clubhouse, he's a glue guy it's It's such a difficult decision to make, because it you know, if you went to Dominic Smith and you said, "All right, you know what? Uh, Major League Baseball just called. And we aren't going to have the designated hitter for another 10 years. Uh, if you told Dominic Smith that, he would be the type of player that says, okay, well, get me my outfielder's mitt, and I will do everything I can to become a serviceable outfielder. Not like a gold glove outfielder because, you know, it's, that's not his natural position. But we've seen the strides that he's made in the outfield just to improve his defense. We've seen the adjustments that he's made at the plate to become a top 10 hitter in the National League this season. Um, this is a guy that I think any team would want, you know, not only just from the, from the stat sheet, but just what he does for the dugout. He's, you know, when he's not playing, he's the team's biggest cheerleader. He's that rah-rah guy. He, he can bring everybody together. We saw that on multiple occasions throughout the season, whether it was, uh, you know, the good or, or the tough subjects. And that's hard to come by in professional sports and with professional athletes um, and it also creates a lot of sentimentality amongst the fan base, and I think that creates reason for pause, because not only are you getting rid of a budding, promising talent, but you're also parting with a fan favorite. um If I was the g m and if I know that the designated hitter wasn't coming my way in the national league for a few years. Uh, I, I would seriously consider it, and I I say that with, like, the heaviest heart um, because I think Dominic Smith is a is going to be a star in the making. Well, he is a star in the making, and he's going to be a star. He's going to be a great ball player, and uh, I think he's an even better human being. And uh, for that, it would certainly be tough for him to go. But in order to get that top-tier talent that – franchise-altering player, you have to make those tough calls. And I think that certainly would be uh, the toughest of the tough calls.
0: It's <laughs> that, the exact phrase that I had on my mind. That, that's the toughest of calls because you have a guy that you've – all right, just from, a, just from an organizational standpoint, um, he's a first-round pick, you've stuck with him and you've – You know, I don't want to say he's waited for him to come around because it's a process and everybody understands that. But you watch the fruits of the labor kind of come to, you know, come to be last season or over the last season and a half or so. And, you know, and you look at him now and and like you said, he's he's become an integral part of the on-field New York Mets organization. I mean, even off the field, he's setting examples. He's the social awareness aspect, everything. Everything, just the openness, the honesty. Um, Mets fans love that. We appreciate it. We we, we respect it. And um, to to you know to come out with uh, just full transparency and uh, you know what you see is what you get kind of mentality and approach, and that's kind of you know him on the field as well. And. I would, if I were the GM, I'd try my hardest to, 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 to turn uh, Cleveland's attention to somebody else. I'd be like, "Oh well, look at all the Jaden Davis's uh, hard hit, you know numbers. He could play a little first base." Um, you know, I, I, of course, for a guy like Lindor, and I, I'm just, I'm kind of dreading that Cleveland is going to come out and say, "Hey, we want Dom Smith," and it's going to leave the Mets in a very, very precarious spot. And, um, you know, do, do you? you trade up for a, for a you know, perennial all-star, uh, 26, 27 years old by the time the season starts next year, for a guy that you've put so much time and investment into and he's, he's, he connects so well with the fan base? I mean, you know, uh, it's a very, very tough call. Again, I would try my hardest to include one of these, at least one of the shortstops 'Cause you know Cleveland's gonna wanna do something to kind of replace Lindor in there, uh whether it's lineup or whether it's in the depth chart in the organization. I'd be hesitant to move Mauricio. Um we saw what Jimenez could do last year and, and that's a it looks like a very, very complete young player. if they're you know, if they're gonna take Rosario and, and pluck maybe a high a top ten prospect from us, I'd be kind of more uh <laughs> more open to that than than dealing away Dom Smith, who, like you said, he fits into the lineup wherever you put him. If he's a pinch hitter, he hits. If he's playing left field, he hits. And he he did show a lot of improvement as the season wore on last year. He was making diving catches like he's been playing there for years by the end of the season. And that's just, um, you know, it's a tip of the cap to the dedication to his craft. But, you know, again, it's part of the charm. It's part of the Dom Smith package. It's what you get. I mean, you said it perfect before. He's the ultimate team player. Um, I I, I don't, I try my hardest not to give up Dominic Smith in that deal, but, you know, for a guy like Lindor, uh, I'm very happy I'm not making that decision.
1: Yeah, that's, uh, and I think it would also kind of have to come with the promise of, you know, can the Mets secure Lindor for the long term? Because, you're, you know, you're giving up an awful lot. Then, in a player like Dominic Smith, for just one year guaranteed of Lindor, and then you have to try and re you know, try and resign him and extend him. If, you know, you can come with the promise, and I don't want to say sign and trade because they're pretty, uh, they're pretty rare. Um, but at, at least with the promise that he would be willing to commit his long term future with the Mets, I think I would be a little more willing. If it's a complete toss up, though, um. I'm I'm holding on to him and I will say, you know, take your pick, you know, send him a list of uh, you know, ten or fifteen guys, say take your pick, but Dom Smith isn't on
0: that list. <laughs> There's a few guys who aren't on that list. Yeah. Um, you know, Jeff McNeil, uh sure. you know, everybody heard the story about Jerry DePoto uh going after McNeil first in the Cano Diaz deal. And good on Brody for not letting him go. But uh in turn, he got fleeced for Jared Kalanick, but these things happen, I guess. I know a large contingent of the fan base is going to kill me for saying that, but, you know, kind of got to turn the page. Um, yeah, it's going to be an exciting offseason. Uh, me and Jacob talked a little bit last episode about second-tier uh, pitching options, or starting pitching, I should say, and Batances is back in the fold for, I think, what's going to turn out to be a decent chunk change for a reliever this year. His $6.8 million next year might turn into a, you know, hopefully it's a bargain for the Mets and he returns to form. Uh, that could be a really big piece.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, and the way I see it now, and, and it depends on who, you know, the Mets can, can bring in here this offseason to, to bolster up the bullpen. Um, but, you know, I, I think Dylan Batantis could be an X factor within this group. Because we've seen what we can you know what he can do, we saw what he can do across town uh he can strike out the world when he's healthy, he throws absolute bullets um and and you could tell uh he was he was hesitant, he was timid on the mound when he got to the mets and and that comes with you know coming back from a multitude of injury issues and and they were hampering him throughout the season and You know, you'd like to think, well, if he comes back healthy, and and these are the hypothetical games that the Mets and their fans have been playing for, you know, a decade plus now. Well, if he's healthy, uh, you know, he could be what he used to be. And that's a big ask. But at the same time, the Mets can go out and sign, you know, a Brad Hand or a Liam Hendricks or a Alex Colomay. um, All of a sudden, you know, that depth takes that much more pressure off of guys like Botansis, like Edwin Diaz, um, you know, like yours, like Jerry Familia. I mean, it's, it's just, you, you need to, you know, and, and we've seen this throughout the organization for a while now with Mets managing, regardless of the manager, they get one or two horses that they find in the bullpen and they run them into the ground. And uh, to, to kind of create a well-rounded bullpen, um, you know, in, in the new age of analytics in baseball, like we saw in the World Series, like we saw with the Tampa Bay Rays getting burned by pulling Blake Snell, um, you know, good teams win with deep bullpens. And a healthy Dylan Batansis uh, gives the Mets an effective starter who can be absolutely untouchable on his day. Uh, and you don't gotta, you know, you don't gotta go out and get him. You don't gotta expend resources to go out and sign him and coax him to coming to the Mets. So um, you know, it's it's like found money almost. Uh, so it's this is a big year for him. This is a show me deal. If this guy wants to keep this party going in Major League Baseball, uh, he's got to show the Mets something in twenty twenty
0: one. Oh, definitely. He's he's thirty two years old. Uh, he did have a stretch last of uh, this season where he, he looks like Dylan Vitantas, uh, August 4th to August 18th, six consecutive outings with no earned runs. Um, you know, we'll take that. It just so happens he had a 7.71 ERA across the board, but, um, you know, he has to be dealing with lat tightness, dealing with um, velocity issues. And, you know, like you said, he's got a lot to prove next season. Um, he's getting a decent amount of money after coming off of uh, a not great season. So, you know, like you said, if you want to continue to be a pitcher in this league, you know, he's got a lot riding on it. He also does have another team option for 2022. Uh, yeah, Brody, thanks, man. And it's funny because Carlos Beltran was the one who recruited Batances to come to the Queens, and he never, I mean, never even got to play for him. But uh, just to play out, know, just to go off what you were saying as far as um, relieving pressure on the bullpen, I mean, that was a, a hallmark of, of last offseason was kind of building up the bullpen with Familia. You have Diaz coming back. Lugo is one of the best relievers in the game. Um the Familia Patantas, uh Brad Brock's coming back. You know, they have weapons and they can certainly go out and and you know add reinforcements. Um, you know, if there's it appears that there's gonna be a lot of players on the market for under market value. And uh You know, if everyone else is hurting financially and the Mets aren't, it leaves them in a very, very strong position. Uh, It seems like guys are going to want to come here. And even going back to what you were saying about Lindor, um, if he's traded here, how could he not want to sign a long-term deal with the Mets? I mean, he's a, uh, you know, who doesn't want to play in New York? And, And for years, you know, we've heard the stories of players just not wanting to come here, managers and GMs not wanting to work for for the will ponds, and uh, you know, just like that, it's all gone. Which is, <laughs> it's a, uh, it's, uh, it's something else. It's, I, I can't wipe the smile off my face.
1: Yeah, you know, and and you have every right to be smiling like that. And <laughs> I, I really think the added portion of what comes off of that is, you know, you can. Yeah, you know what? New York is obviously a destination, and the Yankees have always been a destination when it comes to luring free agents or making those big trades or extending those big contracts, something like that. Um, but there's a, there's a certain degree of difference when it comes to you know, signing with the Mets. If you, could, if you could win with this franchise, if you can somehow deliver a World Series, you're, you're not just one in the line of many like you are in the Bronx. Uh, you're a legend. You're a legend in Queens. They retire your number. They build you a statue. Um, You know they will. You'll. I mean, you'll never have to buy a drink in Queens again. It's it's different. You are the you're the savior. It's it's you know you you come in on you know you're the knight in shining armor within a downtrodden organization, a downtrodden franchise, a a tortured fan base, and you could be the one that saves them, that pulls them out of this. 34-year dark hole, where you know the joys of, of fandom comes with losing in a World Series, winning an occasional division, uh, getting a getting a series win over the, the Phillies when they're in a playoff race. Uh, you know that's that's little that's little team mentality, that's small market mentality. This is this is different, um, and and I think players are going to realize that and they can become legends. They can be, you know, the next Mike Piazza to this franchise. So um, I think that's something with, of course, the right representation and the right presentation. um, That should be a message that should, you know, come across their desk and it's something that they should seriously take into consideration also.
0: Oh, definitely. I mean, you know, like you were saying, you know, to be a winner in New York, there's it's not there's nothing like it, or so I hear. <laughs> um, even like look at look at a guy like Mike Baxter, who saved the only no hitter for the Mets with that unbelievable, arguably career-ending catch because he <laughs> tore apart his shoulder in the process. But you know, that guy goes into a bar and someone recognizes him, and he's a Mets fan. No way he's paying for anything for the night. Um, yeah, it's uh, you know. The, the opportunity or the, the the potential for to to become a hero is just heightened in New York, and uh, it's very cool that the Mets are entering that realm of a of a realistic destination for high end free agents. For you know, the, the magic is back to to take take a bite out of that '80s slogan. <laughs> but uh, Joe, I know you have a busy night with election night ahead of you, so uh, I don't want to keep you for long. Very quick, um, you had an update on Tuesday morning regarding Steve Cohen and SNY and why we might see a little delay. Can you fill us in on that?
1: Yeah, so it was initially reported uh, by Forbes back in September, towards the end of the month, uh, that once Steve Cohen closed his deal to buy the Mets, uh, he would have entered an exclusive 30-day window where he could negotiate with the Wilpon family to take over SNY. Um And, you know, to to keep it short, uh, SNY is really or was really the only money-making aspect of the Mets organization as a whole. This is a, you know, the Mets have been losing hundreds of millions of dollars over the years under the Wilpont's hemorrhaging money. Um, And even SNY itself is $850 million in debt. However, they're making $150 million somehow. Uh, You know, they they are getting revenue from the station. Um, So... Really, kind of what I've been hearing over the last couple of days is that um, there, you know, that there might be negotiations, but they're not going to happen uh, really anytime soon, or or they might happen and a sale might not happen, uh, and they could be waiting a while for it. Um, I spoke with a source um, on Monday about it, and basically he said that this is the Will nest egg. Why would they want to sell something that? is bringing in 150 million dollars in revenue even though it's being valued at a billion dollars uh this is a steady source of income for a family that which has been well documented uh they were they were hammered by this bernie madoff ponzi scheme they lost a lot of money um so they can kind of keep the flow going for a few more years of steady cash um you know they, they might want to hang on to it and you know, S&Y has, uh, uh, you know, the rights to Mets games until 2026, it's believed. Um, and, and that gives Cohen or any prospective buyer the option to wait out the Wilpons. And that would present the option of getting a better deal. Or if Steve Cohen is uh, really looking to uh, make a mark or do something completely out of the realm of what was expected, he could go and, uh, you know, start his own station for the Mets or something kind of like what the, you know, what yes network is to the Yankees, you know, SNY is met centric, but at the same time you have your SNY Yankees accounts and they're showing Yankees highlights and talking about the Yankees and uh, you know, they're sharing time with the jets and UConn and whatever it might be. Um, So again, these are all kind of options down the road. um, But from the few people that I've talked to over the last couple of days, they're all in that same boat believing that uh, SNY is not going to be sold for a while because of this. Because there are a lot of moving parts, and frankly, there are a lot of red flags, too. Because I'm sure nobody's going to want to inherit this station that also has a $850 million in debt on top of it. So um, it's certainly a lot to sift through, and I'm sure we're going to have updates in the next few days about it or the next few weeks about it. Um, and we might get more clarity once that once the deal is closed. Um, so it, it's kind of a wait and see game right now. But Mets fans kind of have to tamper their expectations when it comes to uh, Steve Cohen acquiring
0: SNY for now. Yeah, I mean, I, in my mind, it's going to happen. The the will ponds are going to get there. They're two point four billion for the Mets, and um, you know, sure, it makes money every year, and they might keep a piece. Who knows? But You know, this is all speculation, of course, but I think Cohen gets it done. And in that same respect, um, you know, I get it. And it's not really at the top of the priority list right now. They have bigger fish to fry. And, uh, you know, who owns the TV station next year? It's it's inconsequential. I mean, Cohen's not living and dying. Like, this isn't his only equity. Like, that's what scared me off about the A-Rod group was that they're pulling together all this money. And this is their only – this is their everything. So they're going to run the team like it's life or death. Steve Cohen, he's not worried about, you know, oh, you know, the Mets aren't doing good. I'm going to lose everything. I'm going to lose everything. No, he's not. This is like this is the exact type of owner that we've all dreamed of. I just I I still can't believe it's happened. But really, first things first, let's let's put together a championship team that seems to be uh, Mr. Cohen's, uh, you know, goal. And he seems r- raring to go. And, uh, you know, as a fan base, we thank him. And as a show, Joe, we thank you for coming on, my man. I hope um, this is a cool experience because uh, I do apologize for, uh, for screwing up the first time.
1: Oh, no, you're kidding. It's my absolute pleasure. I love hopping on and talking with you here. And uh, that's all right if a couple of them don't go through. It's just a blast talking to you and, uh, you know, taking a break from writing. So. <laughs>
0: Yeah, i got to get back on that horse myself. You got any, uh, anything coming out we should keep an eye out for this week at our AM New York? Yeah, we're going to do our best to keep an eye out on when uh,
1: the Cohen deal is actually going to close. Um, we're going to be breaking down the uneventful trade uh, periods ex- experienced by both the Giants and Jets with the NFL trade deadline having just passed. Um, yeah, and we're also going to probably have some fallout from this wild and crazy election, but we are going to make sure that politics and sports stay separate, at least for now.
0: Oh, I I need sports right now. I can't do just Sundays with football. I need my body and my mind are telling me, Hey, it's hockey season. Like what's going on? But, uh, well, all, all in due time, but Joe, thank you so much again for coming on. Uh, good luck tonight with these election results. And, uh, you know, thank you to uh, to the crew over at AM New York for keeping everybody in the loop. Yeah, of course. Really appreciate it. And thank you again for having me on. All right, buddy. Everybody, we'll talk to you soon. And, uh, yeah, let's go, next. You know where to find us. Take care.